Excuse me, I'm expecting a call. Costanza? Yes, I just got a call. Uh, I yell, Cartwright! Cartwright! Just like that. Nobody came up, I hang up. Well, was it for Costanza, or...? Yes, yes, that's it. Nobody answered. <laughs> was it a woman? Yes, yes. I tell her, you're not here. She said curse word, I hang up. Yeah, and a, and a hot cup of uh, soup. And a hot cup of soup. I, I'm, I'm a mulligatani man. What about you? Uh, tomato bisque. Tomato bisque. Uh, with or without the bread? Uh, with bread. <laughs> you want bread? Three dollars. <laughs> um, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. That is that is uh, that is this podcast, but it's a different show. Uh, we do have a food-related show today, though. Uh, the Chinese restaurant, the first classic Seinfeld episode. Is this the first class, first quote-unquote classic we've come across? I'm trying to yeah. think. Widely, widely considered to be the first classic episode. Even, even cons- I guess. As it aired, it was like the second to last episode, but I would say it's a, by far and wide the best episode this season, and in my opinion, there's only one episode in this season that comes close to it, but there's really nothing in the general uh, sense, and the general uh, general critics and audiences put this up there as just like the end-all be-all of like, this is what a great Seinfeld episode looks like, and I agree with them in my opinion. <sighs> yes, yeah. This 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 episode does have like all of your makings of like a a great Seinfeld episode, and I I I understand everyone saying, "Oh, this is your definitive Seinfeld episode," because it has definitive Seinfeld elements. Um, but like, I don't know what. Like I was telling you in the show before the show, there, I, I can, not, uh, disclaimer, not that I, like, do not, like, I love this episode, is what I'm trying to say. Like, this is still always a fun episode for me to go back and watch. I was laughing today while watching it, but you go back and you read that, you know, NBC was kind of like teeter-tottering with this episode, not really getting it. Um, and you kind of open it that way. That's and, what happens when you're groundbreaking. Uh, truth, truth. Uh, hey, trust me. I yes, but I th- there are some like little itty bitty discrepancies in this episode that are kind of I don't know. And then yeah, the whole Michael Richards aspect and oh well, I I have my own little theory on that. And, and I have my own little take on that too. Uh, and I guess we'll get to that later. I mean, oh, I mean, do you just want to go there now? Because he's just not really in the episode. Yeah, so oh, yeah, sure. I guess if there's a way to do it, might as well do it now. The, the show talk with the one guy who's not in it. And yeah, that is that is the Kramer character. And Michael Richards, you know, felt he was going... They felt they were writing him out of the show, which, I mean, to that point, every, he'd been in every episode. Um, yeah, but up to the as, point of them writing... But they, they even said that up to the point of them writing this episode... Their Kramer character hadn't been written to leave the apartment complex yet. Oh, really? Is that why he goes and helps George and the busboy? Is is that why 
he goes and helps Jerry mess with the dry cleaner and the revenge. Is that why he goes and gets the statue back for George in the statue? Are we talking about the same people? Because those are all in the same season, and it's about to all happen. Yeah, but I'm saying to this point, though, of this episode. All those episodes aired before this episode aired. Aired, but... But But we haven't seen them. But, yeah. That's but we've we have seen the bus boy. But this was written the bus oh the bus boy. Mm, bus boy was written before. The bus boy does yeah the bus boy does kind of. That's where I just theory. call foul like Larry David even on the inside look like I I I hate to cut you off right there but yeah I just call foul on it like it was just I think it was just an error on their part and they just never really wanted to admit that. Oh yeah, Kramer wasn't supposed to leave the building, but they wrote in like half the episode then, in the second season he leaves the building so, so so i thought about this as as i watched this episode this afternoon and i sat there and i i, I kept thinking to myself okay what if kramer was in this episode and there there are probably some spots they probably could have fit a kramer gag or two um but i think th- this episode really works well with with this three-man dynamic and you add one more person, even one more person that is as electrifying as Kramer, and I don't know if this episode, there might be like too many cooks in the kitchen for this episode kind of thing, you know? Yeah, oh, agree, agree. Yeah, I, I, well, you said that, like, think about this episode with Kramer in it, and I kind of wandered into my own little thought bubble of like, hmm, what would he really add that this episode's missing, and there's, there's really not much. I think he, I, I think you're right, it would just be just too much going on like to kind of go back to your point about what the NBC executives felt about how there's no story well I mean there is a story there's there three story. different stories there's well there's three different stories y- yes on, all colliding with this waiting for the restaurant and could you really tolerate one more story in all of that in that you know 22 minute allotment that you have to fill especially with so. with, so. with the whole the whole aspect of the story being being the time management of it you know we we are in a hurry we have a a time crunch we have to get all of this in to make it seem like all this is going on within a short amount of time but the whole stressor of the episode is the time crunch well, the time crunch was a, a Larry Charles idea he he said on the inside look on the DVD that they only added the the ticking clock because of NBC executives being like, nothing goes on here. So you put a ticking clock on something, you, you sort of raise the stakes and, and give this sort of, you know, manufactured anxiety of, well, now we have something to do, something. Ah, uh, yeah. And the, the whole idea of what are they, you know, they're, they're waiting to go see a movie. Well, what movie would they be waiting to go see? And, and Larry Charles was like, well, how about the worst movie of all time? <laughs> Plan Nine from Outer Space, which it's not not Plans One through Eight. Plan Nine, the one that worked. This is the one that worked. Uh, a lot of information about about Plan Nine out there. Just the the whole B movie, you know, cult following that it's got. It's kind of got that um, the room sort of. It's so bad that people love it kind of aspect to it. So. Uh, yeah, to, to, to kind of circle back in on, on, on uh, the Michael Richards thing, I just, I, I agree. I, I, it, it sucks to not be in it, and I mean, there's one more episode that he's not in. Uh, 
But other than that, he's in other, every other episode, so... Uh, could this episode use a little bit of Kramer? Maybe at the end, but... We got his stand-in Norman for the entirety of the episode, so, I mean, hey. Even trade-off. <laughs> the, the, the entire episode, he... He just sat there. <laughs> just sat there. It's so creepy. There's a few times, though, uh, I caught, like... Because I find myself, like, in the second third watch... Or when I'm taking the notes, uh, I find myself watching the background, and he's trying to hold it together in a couple scenes where he's trying not to like you know laugh at the banter that he hears. I would have a hard time being an extra in this episode because there there is some funny banter going on. Oh like, yeah, and th- this episode for sure. Like again, this is like, this episode is really 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 good. There are some small things. Yeah, so uh, starting off uh, with that first stand-up, you know, Jerry, I think, again, the times of the, the show, the payphone, I think I can count on one hand the number of times I've used a payphone in my life. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I, I think like 20 years. every time I used a payphone, it was to call my mom to come pick me up from, like, a birthday party or a school event. And I can even tell you that I think most of, like, maybe the five times I've used a payphone, like maybe five times, um, at least three of them were all from the same place. <laughs> that was the 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 rock and roller rink. Um, calling my mom to come pick me up from school events and birthday parties. You never you never needed to, to, to call a woman and let her know to call you at a restaurant? No. No, so I, that she knows where you are. That's you know, and I was wondering, and I, I guess we'll kind of like jump around here for a second, but like I was wondering that during that part where like, who? Now I was always intrigued with the, the idea of a ringing payphone. Just the idea of just a ringing payphone. In fact, there's there's even a Pete and Pete episode about like a ringing payphone that that rings all day and all night um and the idea is very you know the, the the mystery and the wonder of it all but like i would never call on a payphone and tell a girl to call me at a restaurant and then i, I don't know that 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 whole situation seems very odd to me even in a 90s what? like early 90s 1991 like aesthetic Having someone call you at a restaurant just kind of feels odd to me. I mean, I guess we've lived in a world where everybody's had at some point. I guess the earliest, you know, beepers and then the the cell phones. Oh yeah, I had a beeper. Smartphone. Yeah, so you've always lived in in like there's a way for somebody to get a hold of you directly. I mean, I, I in this world of Seinfeld, we live in a world before there was you know direct person-to-person contact outside of, you know, meeting in the lobby of a Chinese restaurant. So uh, the original draft of this script actually had them uh, discussing their least favorite days instead of this garbage man. Least favorite holidays, right? Not like least favorite days, but least favorite holidays, correct? Yeah, holidays. Uh, And George's George was Halloween saying he finds the constant knocking very jarring <laughs> and he's not amused by adults in costume. 
Elaine doesn't like Fourth of July because of all those sociopaths with explosives. <laughs> and Jerry, uh, he dislikes New Year's Eve because it's not even a day. It's like the end of a jar of mustard. You're trying to get something out of it when you should just throw it away. And I kind of that yeah, that's a good Jerry joke. I, I feel I, that one. That's a good Jerry joke. Uh, apparently, Jerry actually does the cops garbage man bit the following year while hosting SNL, which I found some clips of it on the NBC website from him hosting in 1992. Does it, and does it play well? Like like does the crowd eat it up? I actually I didn't I didn't find they didn't have his like opening monologue. I just watched a couple of clips and they're okay. I mean it's early nineties like Jerry comedy, so you kind of have to like know his comedy to see why it's funny. Uh, but it was fun because he he does a he does a bit with like Chris Rock, Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, David Spade, uh, and uh, Elaine's roommate, the uh, the waitress actress is also in that bit. Uh, just interesting. Just fun little... It was fun to go back and watch some old SNL. I watched an old um, Chris Rock, Chris Farley bit. It was pretty funny. Might go back and take a peek. Yeah. Old school SNL. Always, always, always a fun watch. Uh, did you come across the bit about the real restaurant that this whole ordeal is based on? I did not. Yeah, so it's... It's one of uh, Larry David's famous jot-it-down ideas. He came up with it while waiting with Jerry Seinfeld in a real restaurant uh, called Genghis Cohen uh, off of, I believe, Fairfax and Hollywood. And he jotted it down, and they wrote this whole, you know, sort of one-act episode. And uh, there was a, a writer's assistant who was confused when she got it because there were no scene breaks. And was like, the fuck are we supposed to do here? Uh, ended up, it also ended up being the shortest audience recording, taking about 90 minutes in total. When uh, episodes that season took about three, three and a half hours to complete. So just because there's no scene, just yeah, there's, no scene changes. Yeah, they're they're all on one stage, and it's just well, you can line tell them they up, knock them down. You can tell they they kind of wrote that way where they kind of know what to do because you could tell they kind of softballed the the lead-in joke to a commercial break each time like i oh like for I, sure you, you could tell they were they're definitely kind of writing to lead off into a break i mean i think this is one of those episodes where the directing is really good i i know it sounds so silly like i know we've, we've talked about our good buddy tom this whole this whole season well, but he directs mainly, this entire season it's all mainly like maybe a handful of like what like two three shots maybe i mean it's yeah it's but all knowing... just single almost like well, i was gonna say almost like you're taping a play but that's that's almost like every live well studio i know that's exactly but... Well, that's actually exactly what the notes about nothing said. They taped it like they were taking, uh, they were filming a play, and I think that sort of, I mean, there's a reason why you know Tom Sharonis ends up directing the most Seinfeld episodes, and he was trusted with this these stories, you know, from the get go. Like he knows how to make this one, he knows how to direct these three characters in this setting. You know what I mean? This this is this is the 
quintessential bottle episode. But see, you've got your characters, you've got a single location, and something has to happen for it to be entertaining, right? Well, yeah. So you have he's riding breaks, but it's it's within one of these. I guess we'll get there when we get to it. But it's within one of these riding breaks that one of the show inconsistencies comes. Oh, yeah. I mean, early on, yeah, I agree. But I think that you chalk that up to uh, maybe maybe in the sense of like the Larry David and the Kramer not leaving the apartment. You just chalk that up to just like early growing pains. And and while the show does maintain some continuity, it, it really does. It's really always been just a serialized, you know, show. There are very, very, very minute continuity you know problems the the whole sister deal which is what we're alluding to uh being one of them right you know like you said they're small small issues but still fun fun episode i i don't think in a show like this it really makes that big of a difference. it really doesn't because it's something I mean? you almost completely forget about until it's pointed out to you Right, because unless you bring it up again, I'm not really. I don't. I'm not going to remember that Jerry once mentioned he had you my, know, a sister. My biggest issue with this episode, and you could probably just, just even chalk this up and throw it in the catch-all of it just being TV, but my biggest complaint with this episode is almost like the time crunch. You have all this shit going down, but like in the meantime, if they were in this big of a time crunch. Like halfway through this episode, they are already like out of time. There, there, there is no time for Tatiana to come down and make her way. Like, like if Tatiana were to actually like call back and say, "Oh yeah, I'm on her way," then she has to come out, get down there, get to the restaurant, and by that time, they they should have already ordered and be back on their way to the movie theater. If they're, if they can't go just down the road and get like a burger or something like that, you know. That's that's like my biggest complaint is like there there are certain things that you wouldn't do if you're in this scenario that that they are doing. Okay, I, I see that. I hadn't really thought about the uh, the real life time aspect of it. I just assumed that I mean with the whole Tatiana situation, I'm I was I I just the whole reason why he has to call her is 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 I think the, the, the punchline of oh, the whole thing. Oh, the Tatiana joke. The whole, the, that whole setup of when him and Jerry are sitting there and he tells them the story about it is to me one of like the funniest moments, one of the funniest George moments. Like that, that story, like Jerry says, could only happen to George. And it, yeah, I mean, sometimes you, you, you need a little buffer zone. The, the 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 host, the host of the Chinese restaurant, oh, I the, love the famous him. James Hong. Love him. Uh, just been, I mean, you've seen him all over the place. He's super famous. One, one of the early, early famous, famous, famous people the show does get. Uh, just plays his plays just plays it so perfect. He's just so so on point. Great great casting choice in my opinion. The delivers the lines well. I mean, he just has everything. Seinfeld, full. The, uh, there is, uh, there is actually a deleted scene in this, in this episode. There's one scene that they decided to cut out 
and it's it's another bit that oh we didn't get to use it we're definitely going to recycle it george is seen limping to the payphone and do you know why he's limping i'm thinking i'm thinking i'm thinking no is it to try and get the phone from someone else is it try and no, he uh, he 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 pulled his hamstring trying to kick out a sheet that had been tucked in on a trip to Boston. Oh my gosh! So he he doesn't he. Oh, he's got to go untucked. He, yeah, so he he pulled a, he pulled a hamstring trying to untuck it, and while. They cut that out here. They end up recycling it in the season three premiere. Love it. Oh, you know what? We glossed right over. Uh, we'll we'll do that. We'll do all the we'll do all the number stuff at the end because I've got a, I've actually got a treat for that. I found something and it's going to be quite useful in helping us uh, with the ratings. Um, did you catch the special voice at the table when Elaine goes in? I, for an egg roll? I did. It sounded like an owner of a baseball team uh, that, we yeah. met, that we meet <laughs> later on. Yes! Uh, who, it's the one and only George Steinbrenner. Loves him some calzones. Loves a good calzone. And he hates Billy Martin. <laughs> uh, yeah, Larry David. He uh, Yeah, he is a voice... Uh, I believe he says, like, what did she say? I didn't hear. Yeah, what did yeah. she say? And he's doing, like, an old man voice. Um, just, you know, one of, I, I think this is uh, not the first time. Is this one of the first times we've had the Larry David voice? I don't think we've had him uh, do any stand-in or, or voice uh, voice acting yet. So I think this might be the first time they've used him. Uh, here in this episode, this episode—it's iconic, man. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do keep wanting to say there's that like one time before, but it, this could be that one time before. This is that one time before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shortly after the egg roll is when George. Excuse goes me, can I have some of your egg roll? <laughs> she offers him twenty-five. I'll give you twenty-five dollars. What are you gonna do? Get the 50 and then come back and ask if they've got change. I just love the like, way she says, your egg roll. <laughs> it gets me every time. Well, it's because it's she's trying to talk through her teeth. Like, she's trying Which not is to, an obvious, yeah. like, like dub in later track. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really bad. It, I, don't, I don't try and hear it. I can just – there's times where you can just tell – when it's a, a voiceover or when it just sounds like they have to dub something real quick because they didn't get it and they have to go in and post. And it always takes me out of, like, whatever I'm watching. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. I don't want to notice it. Why do I notice it? Um, but shortly after that scene is when George pulls his, you know, we're living in a society. And it's just... Living in a society, it's, we're supposed oh. to act like... God. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to hold it set. Act in a civilized act in a way. Civilized way. Damn. He just. Just amazing, George. Just causing a scene because he's angry. And then just... shortly later on, like when he goes, he's like, 
no one here is decent, this, that, and the other. And the guy comes up and apologizes to him for being on the phone for so long. He's like, oh, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, because that's all George wanted. As soon as George got the apology, George is like, oh, yeah, cool, no problem. All right, we're good. You just acknowledge that you were being a dick, and we are all good. That lady, though, her her face just screams, I'm a bitch. Oh, yeah, she had RBF, like, 100%. We get our first Gandhi reference in this episode as well. Ah, uh, yep, I even noted Gandhi. Yep, Gandhi, uh, Gandhi and Batman. Who, I, I just want you to know, because the notes let me know, that Batman was also a member of the Justice League, which I don't know if you knew this, Superman is also a member of the Justice League, and Jerry loves Superman. So, Batman, Superman, Jerry, George? Ah, uh, that's an insult to, to, to Batman, for sure, <laughs> if you just call Batman George Costanza. I do like that they went... For for Batman here, Batman Batman huge huge right now in '91 coming off the the '89 Keaton film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting ready to I just, drop Batman Returns here in uh, like another year. Okay, yeah, just very 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 topical, very topical from our from our resident '90s historian. <laughs> uh. That that's yeah. He drops the Batman. He drops the Batman line in the midst of his 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 story, and this story, dude. Yes, it could only happen to him. Like, <laughs> how do you? I I think he did exactly. Okay, so do we want to map out the the story? Do we want to explain do the you story? Just, do you just do you, do you want to do it tactfully or not? Because I think George did it tactfully, and I just kind of I just kind of want to be blunt. Like, he had to take a it, shit, and her bathroom was too close to where they were fooling around, and he just stopped in the middle of coitus and said, sorry, I mean, I have to leave. I mean, put yourself in that scenario. You are getting ready to to make the beast with two backs. And No, they were making the beast with two backs. Okay, oh, they okay. were during. I tried to give him a little bit of, you know... I tried to give him a little bit more buffer zone. <laughs> so you didn't even think that you you think they were still they were still. I think they were rounding, rounding the second yeah, base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the way I picture it is they are rounding the bases. I took it because Jerry said after it, or during. Said I during. took that as like yeah, that's fair. I, you're like mid slap. So you're going about your business rather, and uh, a certain intestinal requirement <laughs> takes over that that nothing nothing can take over like what would you do if the bathroom is too close and you, and you know one one if if she hears it it's gonna turn her off like it's it, like it's gonna turn everybody turn off. everybody off two then you open the door and you have the smell of it all that's gonna do even more damage. And then when you come out from the like after doing that, like does anybody really want to do anything? Like <laughs> it just like I, mean, I I thought he handled that as 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 shitty of a of a situation that is pun intended pun intended <laughs> that he did himself the right things. I think if he would have continued about his business, it would have completely shut things down. And even after three days of calling her just to get this one chance back, I don't think he would have gotten that. 
what about like faking a finish? And then, and then, I mean, oh, okay, okay. The only problem with faking a finish is, is what if you're not very long in, and then you put that that reputation on top you, of you. you? That that reputation on top. Of, well, then you can always at least come then, back and say, "There's there's always some kind of explanation you can come back to and say, okay, I wasn't ready yet. This, that, or the other.'" I thought, even though you're so high, like yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I definitely give me forty five minutes. Let me run home. <laughs> I thought uh, he put himself I mean, in the best best case he did he, to play the field once again. I think the way he tells the story, as tactfully as he does, is about as tactful as he could have been. When removing himself from the situation, I mean, how do you tell a woman you got to take a dump and her bathroom is too small and too close? Like, and like, I, it, it, it has to happen. Like it, it, it has to happen like now. <laughs> but like you say that, but he, if he's gonna leave, he's got to travel to. I mean, knowing George, he's gonna know what bathroom is open, but there's still the travel time. You don't think he just stops? So and why not like, just bodega he sees? Knowing George, no, he would go to the next like ha- habitable toilet. He w- he would know. He would know. We're talking about George Costanza. He knows where the toilets are in New York City. I just, I mean, why not just fake the finish and then go blow up our toilet, man? Like, <laughs> uh, it's just it's. It's great acting. Jerry Jerry is just trying not to laugh the entire fucking scene. The entire scene. And if you're a woman, like, would you give George another chance after that? Uh, again, after this, after removing himself, yeah. But yeah, it's it's gonna take th- three days of trying. Yeah. But sure. Oh, he's a persistent. <laughs> Costanza. Costanza. <laughs> yeah. He just he's he's a persistent he's a persistent little man, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So after after George extricates himself from the from the proceedings, that's uh I get we get the we get one of my favorite Julia lines where after getting to monologue for a little bit, Elaine uh Julia sits down and she drops the sweaty hog line and it just it cracks me up because the way she says it and the way the camera just has her just yeah, she, she starts off so like, sweet it's like do you remember when you were a kid and you went out to yeah. eat and it felt like you know this most amazing thing which i totally agree with i can definitely true. remember right. you feel that being kid and like like waiting there with anticipation of sitting down cuz it was going to feel so good and it was exciting and then yeah, now when I go out, I'm like, dude, just sit me down so I can fucking get my I'm like a sweaty hog waiting to be fed at the trough. But the way she delivers her lines, man, it just and she drops her face. Uh... It's great. And then just to you know move the plot along and give them another reason to be ticked off, Mister Cohen walks in and gets a table right away. Which are you really upset that you didn't get a table for four when a single person walks in? Like, what if he's got, like, a seat at the bar or a little two-top that he always sits at? I mean, like, he always comes in. Why are you upset about Mr. Cohen? Even yeah. though he says the place stinks. 
and well, I mean, tells him that they might as well just bring him his food there. I hate that guy. But he lives on Park Avenue. I I remember uh, it's it's just so funny because like right at, right after Cohen gets his table, they go up and they ask him, and they get the the oh five ten minutes and. I remember being a host, and that would annoy the shit out of me when people would, you know, put their name down, get their little buzzer, and then, you know, you tell them it'd be 20 minutes. They come up five minutes later. Uh, how much longer? Like, bitch, it's going to be about five, ten more minutes. Like, you need to chill the fuck out. Uh, but here, but but here, man, it just, like, he, he says it, and then he walks away, and they're just like... I can't believe it. I think at that point, like, you're right. Like, they would have just left. There is a bit of, you know, that's that's about 13, 15 minutes in, into the episode. If if I'm feeling this mistreated, you know, a four top has come in behind me and this guy here and another five to ten minutes, like, fuck it. Yeah, let's just go to Skyburger. Let's go eat at the movie theater. Like, I'm out of here. Uh, but instead, they wait around, and Jerry has to have this really awkward and uncomfortable interaction with uh, his uncle's coworker, Lorraine. Lorraine, Elaine. <laughs> I will most uh, definitely do that, and I am not yeah. just saying that. <laughs> and I am not just saying that. And this is really like Jerry's outside of uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. This is his one. This is his one little story is trying to figure out who this woman is. Uh, while it's not explicitly said that it's it's the Uncle Leo, we can pretty much assume that it is, uh, having met him already and knowing kind of a little bit about him. I mean, we assume, because that's the, the main uncle that it ends up being from here on out. Uh, and if Jerry did blow off a dinner with him, who would be more likely to, to call and complain about it, right? It would be Leo. It would be Leo. So, you know, Jer- Jerry kind of wraps up his storyline, you know, kind of early in the episode with uh, his little subplot. Uh, but at least he figures it out and isn't sitting there trying to figure it out the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always used to do that when I was a kid, though. Like, I, I don't have to do that now, but it's like when I used to go to kid, like, everybody was always somebody that I, you know, had some kind of connection with in my mind. So I'd always go to the restaurant, like, who, who is that? You know, and then you accidentally see a teacher or something outside of school. You're like, no, 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 no. Don't recognize me. My reality is broken. <laughs> uh, this is uh, where we get the the sister reference. And we and, uh, uh, a scene break, uh, not maybe not a scene break, but a commercial break. Jerry listing off relatives. And we get the, the imaginary sister that never reappears which i get it you know the in the in the classic scene break like this when you have that kind of like transitional list and you're rattling off family members of 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 course you're gonna be like my sister and you're not even gonna think about it so i get you know why it's in the writing or even if he was just doing it off the top of his head why he did it and there's really nothing in there that even said at this point they're like oh well we can just go back and add you know add one later you know if it's that big of a deal but which it wasn't. It was one of those little continuity things. Uh, it, it, but you don't. It's one of those things that you don't even think about though until you hear it in this episode, and then you think about it. You're like, wait, oh, wait a second, sister. Right. 
But if but if you're just watching it, you're not gonna know. Do you think twenty dollars is too much to be trying to bribe the Chinese restaurant host with? I mean, twenty dollars now no, seems excessive I thought it would, to trying like maybe a ninety-one. You know, maybe a ninety-one. The equivalent of our twenty dollars now, we'd think is probably more around the ten dollar range then. Um, I do like George's excuse that it's it's more than the meal. And it, well, I it's think it would a Chinese food restaurant. Yeah, I think it would be more than the meal. <laughs> Seven seven six. <laughs> yeah, I'm counting your shrimp. Uh, I just that the to me the whole that whole bit is just so cringy. Probably my least favorite part of the episode. Just Elaine trying to to bribe the guy. Just to 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 me, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, boy, we're really anxious to sit down. Like, just kind of. Oh, she does it all wrong. Jousting the money at him, like I don't lays it down. Like I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand like why it's supposed to be funny because she's bad at it. Like I don't know. I've just never. Maybe I just bribing hosts to get a table just isn't something that uh, occurs in my day to day life. Oh, I think it's a classic trope. You know, it just in all my times in a restaurant, I've never seen it attempted. But I. I, I do see it as a classic trope. But if it's never happened why in, in real life, uh, I'm not why saying would it be a that trope? it that it's never happened. Um, I do think that's a lot of people's thought. You know, it's it's some something that people do think about at least in that state of mind when they're hungry and they've been waiting for a long time. It's like, man, maybe if I just bribe the guy, you know, I. I do see it as like a thought, you know, more so than an actual action, but a a thought that everybody or at least majority of people do get in that state of hunger and want and need of food to be slopped down in front of them and all you can eat breadsticks and endless salad and pasta. Uh, and then J- Jerry Jerry's attempt to go get the money back, like rolls with honey butter. Oh, ooh. That does sound good. Oh, Texas Roadhouse. Maybe a little cornbread. Oh, yeah. Mm, honey butter. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jerry's attempts to go get the money back are just ridiculous. And I, it's it's pretty much at that point where they're just like almost, almost hey, over no. it. They're almost over it. He gets another five to ten minutes and he goes back. Are we, are we getting uh, the phone call at this point? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, next up's the phone call. Sorry, I was sitting here trying to if that's like, and, and then what happens? And then, yeah, they, uh, oh, yeah, they do the whole bit about where they're going to eat, uh, where they're going to eat, and uh, Helene drops the picnic table line, and... They might as well just uh, start doing the stuff that, that they're going to do. Uh, Elaine's starting to say that you know she she she's kind of over getting uh, kind of over going to the movies. Yeah, who, Jerry's like, man, maybe I should just go do my dinner with my uncle. Even though you'd think if it's if it's dinner time when they're trying to go see this movie, when your uncle maybe already be eaten. a super <laughs> late dinner. Yeah, but you know who knows. Uh, yeah, but that's when that's when the Cartwright gets called out, and George thinks it's Costanza, and then it's not, and then he goes there, up there. There's a moment where 
there's a moment where he's like, eh, is that me? Like, is he saying me? I found myself again watching the background in this scene and, and Jerry trying to look busy. Like, Elaine's hiding perfectly behind George. She doesn't have to do anything. Uh, but Jerry is just... He's just kind of wandering back and forth, you know, hands in his pockets, just like mm, waiting for Jason Alexander to get back here so we can finish the scene. <laughs> like not really making conversation with Julia, just like, yep, we're just going to stand here in silence. And uh, George, ex- <laughs> you're not Cartwright. Of course I'm not Cartwright. Just, uh, I, st- who's Cartwright? Me. I'm Cartwright. You're not Cartwright. <laughs> Uh, I know, God damn it. George, George being so dejected, Elaine being irritable, and Jer- Jerry just being like, well, my night's shot. Thanks, everybody. One of the first, like, I think real instances where, like, like an episode ends and, and everybody kind of comes out, you know, underneath or down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nobody, nobody wins this episode. You know what I mean? Like, nothing... Nothing good really happened to anybody. You say nothing. The the network says nothing happened, and it's like, well, yeah, lots of shit happened. Like George lost another girl. Elaine is apparently extremely cranky when she's hungry, and uh, Jerry's not gonna get to go see his movie. Like this episode, yeah, everybody comes out on bottom, and I think that's sort of counter to you know the sort of you know happy ending you know our TV shows are supposed to have in our in our movies and our comic books like that's what made this show so groundbreaking is they weren't afraid to be like nope everybody sucks and at the end of the episode nobody wins yeah and then as soon as they walk out the door of course you know seinfeld seinfeld you know he's gotta he's gotta call it out uh which i mean that's telegraphed by a mile still funny though still funny yeah Nice little button on it. For sure, for sure. Um, so, my little my little bit about the ratings, because hit, hit me with some numbers. Well, it's it's yeah. Let me uh, minimize, pull some things up. Drop so, some knowledge. Drop some knowledge. So I found a Wikipedia page for for the second season, and it gives me the number of u.s viewers in the millions so amazing numbers we like so amazing so the chinese restaurant uh table read december 5th 1990 they filmed a week later uh december 12th this episode aired on may 23rd 1991 uh, got a rating of 11.7, so that's 11.7% of households with a television, uh, and then a share of 21 of those households, 21% of them were tuned in to Seinfeld, equating to roughly 16.8 million viewers. Wow. Right? Compare that to the episode prior. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll say the episode that aired before it, which that would have been the baby shower. That episode had 17.2 million viewers, wow. 12.4 rating again, a 21 share. So 
you could almost even call this one a de facto season finale because the bus boy, the actual season finale, didn't air until almost a month later. And that was only a, an 8.8 .8 rating with a 16 share. So I don't think NBC executives knew what they were doing with this show, man. Oh, no. And they, I mean, definitely just thinking of, it's one of those things where they were definitely just thinking as, you know, what they thought, you know, their their focus groups or the numbers that they were shown were saying, and they just didn't want to believe anything else. It was like, no, 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 no. We, you know, our our numbers and shit say that these TV shows work. This, this, we don't, we don't get this. So, the season two premiere, The Ex-Girlfriend, 15.6 million viewers. Now, the phone message uh, next week landed 2 million less, 13.6 million viewers. That's when the show uh, was put on its little quote-unquote hiatus. And instead of coming after, I couldn't even tell you, uh, they moved it to after Cheers. And that first episode to air after Cheers, 24 million people watched it. They were retaining a you know, ridiculous amount, but it's not like that, that stayed the same. They lost a million and a half viewers between episodes five and six. They lost four million viewers between episodes six and seven. And yeah, they ticked back up for eight and nine. Episode nine is great. I think the, the deal gets a nice little bump because it has to do with sex and, you know, sex sells. But even still, like the 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 busboy season finale had 12.5 million viewers. But still, the Chinese restaurant, I mean, the baby shower, I mean, they were pulling in 17 plus million viewers on a regular basis. Which, I mean, nowadays you get 17 million people watching your show at one time. It's like oh, they would. It's it's the most amazing thing in the yeah, world today. Here's 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 all the money. But you know, yeah, he, make make 10 seasons of this and. <laughs> Make each one of them three hours long, and but back then they were struggling. But there was some interesting. Jerry, uh, Jerry had some interesting quotes in the notes about nothing. It talked about like how their show, and I talked about this way back when when we discussed the budget in season one, where they didn't pull their budget from primetime TV. They pulled their budget from like special programming. So their producers and the people that kind of oversaw them were like late night and special programming, and they didn't really understand what they were always witnessing. And after the Chinese restaurant became so popular and, you know, season two itself earned, you know, three Emmy nominations um, between, uh, between everything – that they just decided to be like, okay, we're going to come down once a week and we'll say, hi, how you doing? And you guys will say, doing fine, how are you? And then we'll leave it be. Uh, <laughs> this was the start of that. So while it it all, this episode almost made Larry David quit because he wanted to make it so bad and he wanted to be left alone, part of the deal that they made about this episode and extending the show in general for, for another season was you got to include more stories. You can't just be a show about nothing. And that's like almost a direct quote uh, that the note, that, that the notes were very important to say. Like that's a direct quote where they said, you know, no more show about nothing. 
And so that's why we see from here on out, or for at least from season three on out, like you'll just see just just massive storylines just crammed into these like 20 minute little episodes uh, directly because of, you know, this show or this episode, you know, right here having to do with nothing. Yeah, I mean, this is like, again, like we said earlier, I, I definitely can see where people are like, this is like the most Seinfeld elemental, this is a show about nothing kind of episode. Because uh, you're literally just standing in line. In fact, they even, don't they bring this up later on? Don't they pitch this idea in the show? Oh, yeah. This is uh, when Jerry is speaking with the the in-universe NBC executives. Yeah. He, he, he pitches standing around waiting for a table at a Chinese food restaurant. Like, I, th- I mean, it's 100, a 100% a jab at the producers of like, yeah, you won't get it, but it'll be hilarious. It's it's a quintessential, like I said, Seinfeld felt elemental show. It just has a little bit more growing up to do. It just has a little bit more marinating before that steak is perfect. Perfectly seasoned and ready to just get tenderized and then grilled perfectly over the next couple of seasons and becoming like the most amazing show of all time. I mean, I still gave it a five, so... So gave it a five. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was gonna give it a four. I wouldn't give it all the way a five just because I don't know. That's still to come. To me, this is well, I was like the first. Gonna give it a four. Like this one for me, one of the best episodes of all time. It and it is, and it is. Yeah. It like is. I, I put this one on my top ten list. Uh It would go on my top ten list. I put this. Uh, not on a three episodes to get them hooked, but I would put this on like a best random episode to show. Oh yeah, don't don't put it on your three episodes. To no, get them no, you need to know the characters. Because I I showed this episode to my girlfriend as one of her first episodes to watch, and she was like, "I don't get it." Oh no, yeah, you kind of you you need you need a little introduction to George. I think the Julia is fine. I think you need a little introduction to George to know where that like neurosis comes from. Um, you got it. We, we we can talk off air about what you should show her. I don't want to give too much away about my list, but I would put this on like a random episode to show. Like if I've got to put an episode on, like that's that's one of the go tos that I, that that I will that I will go. Yeah, to. if I'm looking for an episode, just just an an episode to watch. This is one of the ones that I will seek out for sure. And to me, this has one of the first like best quotes. Like we, we I mean, we, we quote the show all the time. We we quote episodes that we haven't even talked about yet. But the we live in a society like that is all time. Like you know, we're supposed to act in a civilized way. Uh, Think about it all the time, especially in. Yeah, if there was ever a if there was ever a, a a thing you wanted to shout out to everybody at the same time, that's definitely one of them. I mean, this this episode to me, it's 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 just quintessential Seinfeld. It's an episode about nothing. You're waiting for fucking dinner and you got shit to do. Something everybody has done. Something everybody will do again. 
And will we? I will think about. <laughs> you sure about that? Uh, I like to hope. I like that. to hope so too. But uh, it's just you know, and we'll all be sitting there waiting for them to just kind of put the food in front of us again, just be fed like hogs at a trough. Like hogs at a trough. Not just hogs, a sweaty hog. Sweaty hog at a trough. <laughs> Well, in Texas, I mean, you do kind of see that from time to time. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> uh, well, you want to put a button on this? Ah. Uh, unless uh, unless you got um, anything else? I don't know. Plan, plan 9 from outer space starts here in like 20 minutes. You think we have time to grab some food? I mean, where do you want to go? Skyburger? Uh, I don't. I don't really want a good Sky Burger. I mean, S- S- Sky Burger's all right. Uh, I, the Papaya King is down there, but I, I'm. I really don't want a Papaya King hot dog right now either. What? Papaya King hot dogs uh, are delicious. Yeah, yeah, they are. I'm, uh, Chinese food. Well, that's fine. Chinese food's fine. All right. <laughs> uh, before we go grab a little Chinese, uh, why don't you tell them about the. Seinfeld social media socials medias yes the twitter at this underscore is the show that's the twitter I'm in the mention I'm in the comment not the comments the mentions man Uh, I I social media bad Uh, find me in the followers you social media bad rabbit is wise there's some ones and some eyes I don't remember where they are so just find me in the followers. There's not too many of us just yet. And then maybe maybe one of these days I'll actually learn what my Twitter handle is and I'll hell I'll be able to to pimp it out a little better. That's it for my socials. Um if you want to just find me, hang out with me or talk to me or, you know, uh, I do I do wrestle on occasion. Uh, you can find me on all socials, every single one of them. Twitter, the gram, uh, the old decrepit Facebook. Uh, my Zanga's not open anymore. My MySpace isn't open anymore. But on everything else, you can find me at CJ Ward nine eight nine. Um, if you want to come hang out with me and play some Mario Kart, or make fun of me as I get lost in the Water Temple in Zelda of Ocarina of Time, um, you can do that at twitch.tv slash roasted uh, we play games, we drink coffee. Um, that's that's all my T's dotted and I's crossed. Well, good shit, Maroki. Uh, this is the show. I uh, uh, not changing. Nah, that's it. your line. Yeah, that's your line. <laughs> <laughs> uh.